Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Mike Kennedy with the Living in Victory broadcast. Thank you for joining me again today. We're going to start a new series. I'm excited about it. If you would, join your faith with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your written, anointed word. We ask you for light, for revelation in it, that we might be doers of it, so that we could experience life in victory the way you have planned it, the way you have bought and paid for it. Father, we thank you for it. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Jesus bought and paid for us to live victoriously. He defeated the enemy for you and me to live above and not beneath. The head and not the tail. Amen? Well, we're going to start this series, as I mentioned, and it's, I've, I've t- taught on different aspects of this series, but never quite this way. When I was studying for it, I got revelation in some areas, and I'm going to share those with you. We're going to talk about the deliverances and healings of the Master. The specific ones that Jesus did in His ministry. You know, if you look at all the different healings, not the multitudes, but the specific times that He delivered or healed somebody. Depending on how you look at it, how you count them up, 20, 21 different specific situations. Some people consider deliverances a healing some people don't. I, I won't go into that right now. But depending on how you look at those, there's 20, 21 different healings and deliverances. We're going to look at them from each perspective from the four Gospels. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all inspired by the Holy Spirit. Through men, just like me and my wife, when we see something and talk about something, we have different perspectives from the same thing. I'm sure that you and other people you've talked to have different revelation about a circumstance that happened in your life. You may expound in a different area. That's the same with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They emphasize different aspects of the divinity of Jesus. If you break it down, there is approximately 42% of the book of Matthew that is unique What I mean by that, it's not covered in the other three Gospels. 58% overlap with the other Gospels from a different perspective. Mark, only 7% is unique. 93% of Mark, approximately, has stories, parables, that are covered in the other Gospels. Luke has approximately 59% unique. That means 41% overlaps. John, now that is a unique book. 92% of John is unique. In other words, 92% of what is in the book of John is not in the other Gospels. These are approximate numbers, um, but it gives you an idea. Only only about 8% of John you find in the other Gospels. Well, part of that's based on the background of the four people who God used to pen these Gospels. Matthew, he was a tax collector. He wrote Jesus as King of Kings, the mighty King of the Jews. His emphasis was on Christ, the ruler. Amen? 
He wrote about the Sermon on the Mount, kingdom living. He wrote to Jewish people. Well, he was a tax collector to the Jews. Mark, who was also known as John Mark, friend of Paul, he was more of a missionary. He wrote about Jesus, the servant, engaged in serving. He wrote with a focus to Romans. Not like Paul did where Paul went to Rome, to the Romans, to the Roman Empire. He still wrote to Jews, but from a perspective of the Romans who were going to hear it. If you look at it, the Romans were people who were people of action. And in, in Mark, we find just in chapter 1, verse 12, 18, 20, 28, 29, and 42, where it says immediately action happened. Immediately he's focused on the action. Mark 10, 45, it talks about how Jesus came to serve and give his life. Mark focuses on Jesus, the servant. Amen. Luke, well, he was a physician, Dr. Luke. He talked about Jesus being an ideal man. You know, there are more parables in the gospel of Luke than the rest of them. He, um, he, he's the only person in the gospels that wrote about the journey on the road to Emmaus. In Luke 24, 25, then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets and all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? At the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. John. Now, John, as I mentioned, only about 92% is unique. That means that only about 8% overlaps. John has a lot of things in John that you find in no other gospel. John, um, in John 21, verses 24 and 25, which is the ending of John, he said, hey, if we wrote down everything Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough space on earth to hold the books. Well, think about it. Everything that's going on on earth today that gives God glory is because of what the, the master did, what Jesus did, your salvation, any miracles you've had in your life. That's because of what the master did. But what he did on earth was still more than what we could ever write. Can you imagine he went to hell for you and me? He rose from the dead. How could you write all that down? There's more light, more revelation of what he did and what we will have on this earth. Glory to God. But when we get to eternity, we're going to see exactly what the master did. You know, there are only a few things that are in all four Gospels. You find out that John the Baptist and how he started his ministry is in all Gospels. Jesus being baptized. The Samaritan woman at the well. Feeding of the 5,000. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Judas and how he was revealed in the upper room as a traitor. And then the story of how Jesus was arrested, how he was mocked, went to the cross, rose for you and me. But there's not, uh, the healings are not listed in all four Gospels. That's one of the things that we're going to focus on in this series is how the Gospels from a different perspective Go over the different healings, the miracle deliverances. Not all the miracles like walking on water, feeding the 5,000. We're focused on deliverances and healings. Hallelujah. 
We may touch on some of the other miracles in the meantime, but we're going to talk about the deliverances and healings that uh, the master did in his ministry. The only place you find, uh, the, you know, where the wise men visited was in Matthew. A divorce, which is a key issue today. We find it in Matthew and Mark, not Luke or John. Jesus visiting uh, the temple um, at 12 years old. That's only in Mark, I mean in Luke. The first miracle Jesus did is only in John. Cleansing of the temple in John. Healing the nobleman's son only in John. Healing the lame man in John. Sinful woman anoints Jesus only in the book of Luke. Man born blind healed only in John. Parable of the Good Shepherd only in John. Martha and Mary and their hospitality where Jesus said, Martha, Martha. We only find that in Luke. The barren fig tree in Luke. Parable of the mustard seed in Luke. You get the point. The Gospels have different information focused on different things. With some of, some of them having overlap. That's why we need to break these different healings and deliverances down into exactly what each gospel shares from the perspective of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because you'll get more insight, more revelation from each one. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you break down these 20-some different um, uh, miracles of healings, you find out that there's two different circumstances where two different people were delivered of demon possession. Two different circumstances of people raised from the dead, like Lazarus. Four different instances of blind people being healed. Two different instances of leprosy healed. Amen? Two different instances of a paralytic or a lame person being healed. We're going to go into those, each one of those. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about when they occurred in the ministry of Jesus. The order of them. The chronologically, we're going to go through them. Not based on chapter and, and book. These were not written by chapter and book. Amen. So you may find one of the stories towards the middle of one of the Gospels and at the beginning of another Gospel. So we're going to take a look at them one by one, including the healing man, uh, healing of the noble man's son, the demon man healed on the Sabbath, Peter's mother healed, the leper in Galilee healed, the paralytic in Capernaum healed, the lame in Jerusalem healed, the, the person with the withered hand in Galilee, the centurion servant that was healed, the widow's son raised from the dead, um, the demon-possessed man on the shore of Galilee and how he was healed, Jairus' daughter raised from, from deathbed, um, hemorrhaging. And the, the location is not necessarily known where that occurred. The two blind men being healed. The mute filled with a demon being set free. The Syrophoenician woman healed. Um, the blind man um, in A.D. 29, how he was healed. The epileptic healed. Another man who was born blind and how he was healed. The crippled woman. The man with dropsy. The resurrection of Lazarus. Hallelujah. Then ten lepers. That's different than the leper we talked about early on in Galilee. These are ten lepers, 
towards the end of the ministry of Jesus. And then blind Bartimaeus, hallelujah. Through this situation, we may go through those that were healed, the multitude at the Sea of Galilee, um, those that were afflicted healed. But today, we're going to talk about the first miracle which set things in motion for all these other healings, these other miracles to occur. Amen? If you would, turn with me over to John chapter 2, verse 1. Now, this is not a healing. It's a miracle. It's not one of the ones we're going to go to, go to regarding the deliverances and healings. But it's the first miracle and it's a foundation for us to understand how to receive your healing. All miracles happen from the same situation, the same foundation. We're going to go into what that is. If you want to receive your miracle today, there's answers here. I believe it. Open your Bible. Read it with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So we know that, that Miss Mary was there. Mother Mary was there. So we don't know that much about it, but we know she was present. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So Jesus' mother was there. Jesus was there and his disciples. So there's a good chance that this was a family wedding or somebody dear to the family was there. We don't know for sure, but we know that they were invited. And you don't just invite anybody to such an important day or celebration. Amen? Jesus and his mother was there. So at least close friends. Verse 3, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, they have no wine. In other words, this was a celebration. They weren't too spiritual to party. No, I'm not saying go out and get wine and get drunk, drank. I'm saying don't be too spiritual to have a good time. Amen? Have a good time with your family and friends together. Laugh. Rejoice. Amen? Have fun. Verse 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? He's not being disrespectful. It would be like saying, Mother today. Woman and the New Testament at that time was considered a place, a rank, or a role. Okay? Um, it's not a rough dishonor. Woman, what do you want me to do about it? No. It's more like, Ma'am, what would you like me to do? Woman, what does this have to do with me? It was not dishonor. Jesus, the Lord and Savior of you and me, was not disrespectful to his mother. He honored her. Amen? Um, he's like, hey, Mom, I'm not in the wine business. We're not in the wine distribution business. What does this have to do with me? The Bible said, said she was a woman that pondered things in her heart. If you remember, and early on, whenever she found out she was pregnant, she, the word says she pondered them in her heart from the beginning, from his miraculous conception and birth. So she thought about these things. She knew the prophecies about him. And so she went to him and said, Hey, we're out of the party supplies. We're out of wine. Oh, man, we don't know. This could have been a close family member. You know, a lot of ladies, one of the most important days of their life is the day they get married. They dream about that day. They plan on it. Amen. And he said, 
What does it have to do with me? You and I should both ask ourselves when somebody tells us a problem, ask, how does this pertain to me? Am I supposed to do something? Don't just get pulled into things. See, Satan will try to pull you into stuff. You'll hear about things that you don't need any business getting involved with. But your emotions, because you'd love them, care about them, may pull you in. You may have ability to help, but you may be wasting your seed. It may be the fact that the, you've got this opportunity, but God said, no, don't do it. I've got something else I want you to do with that time or those funds. Ask, how does it pertain to me? What am I supposed to do here, Lord? Too many times, children of God are involved in things that we should not be involved with. That's not any of our business. You may not even be... Um, in a position where you should be spending your faith and time focused on it. You may want to encourage them. God has a plan. He'll bring you up and out. That's different than you getting involved, taking your time doing it. You should be led according to Romans 8.14. Ask, am I supposed to do anything here? Sometimes he'll tell you to do more than what you expected. Amen? Don't commit to anything without checking in with the Lord. Ask him. Amen? And Jesus goes on to say, My hour has not yet come. Now we know it was just minutes away. This may have been 1159. His time is right at hand. Glory to God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says that there is a season to be born, a season to die. Goes through all these different seasons. It doesn't say specific day and time. A season. We should know the season we're in in life. You know, with what's going on globally right now, with what's happened with uh, COVID over the last couple of years, economy, things of that nature, this is a good season to maybe store up in your warehouse. No, I didn't say store up for a rainy day. Store up to bless people, to help people. There's times where God will lead you to spend extra, invest extra. There's times that He will tell you to store up. Amen? Be led in it. Verse 5, His mother said to the servants, Now watch this. Whatever he says to you, do it. That is the master key to miracles. Whatever he says to you, do it. That's the reason why I wanted to start out with this miracle manifestation. Because it will affect everything you do regarding healing and miracles in your life. Whatever he says to you, do it. Glory to God. Notice that his mother had a role in this wedding. She wasn't just somebody sitting on a, a, a bench watching the, the wedding process. She went out and said, we're out of party supplies. We're out of wine to the servants. Then went to Jesus and told the servants, whatever he says, you do it. She had a role where she directed them. Amen. The staff is ready. What do we do? Is he going to talk? What's, what are you going to tell us to do? Are we going to get some money and go down and, and get some more wine? What are we going to do? Pressure's on. What's, this, what's the boss man going to do? This is the key to all miracles. All is all. Whatever he says to you, do it. Amen? I'm going to read um, rem two different verses. Remember what Jesus said. In John 5, verses 19 through 20, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. In John chapter 12, verse 49, 
he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting. Therefore, whatever I speak just as the Father, therefore, whatever I speak just as the Father has told me, so I speak. We know right here that Jesus didn't just say, go fill these pots with water. He's seeking the Lord. What should I do here? God, what should I do? You and I should do that. This is an example. Lord, what do we do in this situation? If you remember in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 6, um, the servant uh, had an axe that went in the water. And he said, Alas, Master, I borrowed that axe. The axe head is in the lake. What am I going to do now? So Elisha heard from the Lord. The prophet heard from the Lord. Throw a twig in. And it caused that axe to rise up from the top. And he said, Servant, pick up your axe head. You know, miracles come from hearing from God. So Peter, remember that situation. Walk on water. Peter heard from the master. Well, come on, get out of the boat. Walk on water. He walked on water until he started looking at the waves of turmoil. Listen to what doctors said. That's when he started going down. But when he kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on water. If you start to go under, get your eyes on him. He will show you a way up. He will show you the way out. He has plans to prosper you, to give you long life. Amen? Show you his salvation. God will show you what to do to get out of any situation. If you humble yourself, ask him and do whatever he says do. Whatever he tells you to do, do it, amen, without delay. In James, we find out that faith without works or action is dead. What if that servant didn't bend down and get the axe head? Well, we find out that the servants here had to take action for the miracle to occur. Now, there were, were set there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So these were for, designed for purification of the Jews, 20 to 30 gallons. So you're talking uh, 20 gallons, 120 pounds to 200 pounds of water could fit in these vases. And it's not just this thin little plastic vase that we've got today. These are clay pots. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Master, they need wine, not water. Whatever he says to you, do it. They submitted, they obeyed. You know, it's not like they could just drop a hose over uh, the window and start filling these pots. They had to go down to the well, crank uh, the rope up, put it in the pot. At 120, 180 pounds, not like they probably had a wheelbarrow. They may have taken the bucket from the well, poured it in another bucket, carried it up a hill, put it in here in these six different vats. So if you've got vases that are 20 gallons to 30 gallons, six of them, you've got at least 120 gallons of water minimum to, to carry and put in these pots. But they obeyed. Man, they're supposed to be serving people and they're out in this hot Jerusalem weather, Israel weather, drawing water. They obeyed. Amen. Trust in the Lord even when your noggin doesn't understand why. Just do it. Amen. And they filled them to the brim. They obeyed. 
Faith obeys when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't understand. Amen? And when they, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Wait a second. The master is expecting wine. Take it to the head of the feast. I don't know. This could have been the groom's father. Take him this. Man, he's already paid a lot. I don't know exactly who the master of the feast was, but you're supposed to take him wine and you're taking him water. This is not a good situation in their mind. You take it. No, you take it. Man, we're going to give him water and he's going to say, what? What is this? We can get in trouble. We can get fired. You do it. But they obeyed. And so they knew it was water. So they take this water and they give it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And in verse 9, And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. They knew the water. They knew it was water, not wine. They're like, what did you give him? Where did you get that? I saw you draw the water. I saw you pull it up. What do you mean it's, 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 it's water? It's, it's wine. What do you mean it's wine? And he called forth. The master called the bridegroom. Man, what is going on here? You gave me the best wine at the end. Most of them hold it. These servants are thinking, is it really wine? Or is this guy really just drunk? No, he saved the best for last. You know, wine can take up to seven years for good wine to make. This is a miracle manifestation of good wine immediately. A molecular change. Amen? God did this for the first miracle that Jesus did. Out of all the miracles that could have happened, he made party supplies. He provided provision, natural provision. So people who say that God doesn't care about natural provision, then why was the first miracle for a natural provision? For enjoyment. It's a lie. Don't be deceived by it. Amen. Raise yourself up and God will to his word and God will bring you up. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this is Mike Kennedy with Living in Victory. Have a blessed day. And remember, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. graciousness and the goodness of God, we're happy to inform you that you can download all of our messages and our mini books free of charge from our website. Also, if you'd like to become a partner or receive our newsletter, feel free to contact our offices.